Hello and welcome everyone to the Sailorville podcast. Uh, my name is Pastor Paul Seymour. I'm here with my good friend and uh, pastor also here at Sailorville, Kurt DeGraff. Hello, Kurt. Great to be with you. And uh, Kurt opened the Word of God to us this past Sunday. We were all privileged to hear that if you were here with us in the building. Uh, great Sunday of worship. And uh, Kurt, you just did a, an awesome job. Um, thank you for opening God's Word to us. Thank awesome you, Thanks so much. Um, of course, you were in uh, James chapter 4, and uh, we're talking about judging, when we judge, right? And so what I want to start off with here, everyone, is uh, I'm going to read the, just a couple verses that uh, Pastor Kurt was in, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that and see if we can give you some practical application to your daily life here so that we can um, look more like Jesus. That's, what, that's our goal, right, is to, is to look more like Jesus, to be sanctified, to be set apart, um, to, be, uh, to look more and more like Christ's disciples, like himself, right? And I promise not to judge you if you won't judge me, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, will, I promise that, yes. If I'm judging you, I'll keep it on the inside, okay? <laughs> uh, so James chapter 4, let's start there. And down in verse 11, if, you're, if you have your Bible there with you, you can read along with me, verses 11 and 12, James chapter 4. And it says, uh, Do not speak evil. Of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? So, Kurt, you stated that your conviction is that insecurity is the reason behind our judging other Christians. So I just wonder if you would just maybe expound on that, unpack that a little bit for us. Be happy to do so. If we're honest, all of us struggle with insecurity. Uh, in a sense, it's a pronounced form of self-consciousness. If you think back to the beginning, to our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden, before the fall, they were not self-conscious. They were God-conscious, they were others-conscious, but they were not self-conscious. But once they sinned, they were very aware of themselves, their own inadequacies, their own nakedness, and they tried to cover that up. The devil tried to use that against them and did successfully when he tempted them and saying, God's holding out on you. And they started to compare themselves to what they thought they needed, Eve and then Adam, and as a result, they gave in to the temptation to partake of the forbidden fruit. And that self-consciousness became their undoing. And to this very day, we struggle like our first parents. Comparison is really the issue we're wrestling with with insecurity. We look around. I think social media exacerbates the problem. For sure. We, we look at other people, how they're doing. Uh, what they look like physically, and we look in the mirror and we say, ooh, <laughs> I don't look like that. And as we age, quite frankly, we say, who is this imposter staring back at me? <laughs> Where did that young man that used to live here go? Yeah. We struggle with that if we're really honest. And uh, we feel like we don't measure up. We compare poorly with others. And frankly, it becomes a fear of man issue. The fear of man is a snare, yep. Proverbs tells us. There's a book by Ed Welch entitled, When People Are Big and God is Small. And that's really 
the issue we're talking about. Second Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, when we compare ourselves with ourselves, we are not wise. We need to look to God and not look within ourselves. Anything that's a hyphenated self kind of a word is, is often uh, out of bounds. Self-help is the big word in psychology today, but that's a dead-end street. We need the help of the Lord. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We need the Lord. We need to refocus back upon him. I've tried to do that self-help thing from time to time. It doesn't work out real well. <laughs> we all do. And that leads me right back to having to confess my sins. <laughs> Paul, let me segue as we're talking about comparisons uh, in your world of music yeah. and worship, explain how the current culture sets us up for comparing and judging how we're to do local church ministry, worship-wise, music-wise. As we look at the national uh, scene, maybe some of the you know awards programs, the Dove Awards, whatever, and, and where do worship pastors today go? Where do they find their music, and what do they make their judgments on? This whole comparison thing, does it afflict and affect local churches and music? Yeah. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the current culture, you know, whether it's the, the culture at large, but even, even in a smaller uh, frame, the Christian culture, you know, there's that uh, I guess you could say Christian pop culture, you know, the things that are kind of out there in the media, Christian media and things. Um, there is a, a big sense of comparison, especially in maybe to me, especially in my world, I would say, um, you know, there in the culture at large, there's a, a, a large focus on youth, right? The, the worship is. of youth and, and the young and um, you're that, really I, young, Paul. I, I'm super young. I just <laughs> I just turned 45 a couple of weeks ago. And so happy I'm, birthday! Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, so yeah, maybe feeling that age a little bit by culture standards. And but yeah, there there's some comparison there where you'd say maybe someone younger would do a better job. Someone that has a better grasp on the you know what's popular in the musical canon of our culture right now, or uh, might have a more youthful approach to things. And I, and I feel those things and I've definitely compared, uh, myself and, and even in terms of just talent, you know, you talk about the, the award shows and the things that are out there. And I know some incredibly talented people, um, you know, both in the past and even currently, um, some more well-known people and, uh, and some incredibly talented people here, even in our church. So uh, across the whole spectrum, there is that temp temptation to say, I'm not that person, you know? And I, I said that when I was talking about the the counseling position we were talking about on Sunday night, if you, mm -hmm. if anyone was here for that, and you know, there is a, I've had to even wrestle with comparing myself to yourself, Pastor Kurt, in the counseling realm and saying, man, I'm not him. I can't do things like that. Or, or when I have the opportunity to preach at Sailorville, I'm not Pastor Pat. I can't deliver the word like he can deliver. Well, like you said on your sermon, you know, uh, that, that comparison is really a, a thief of joy. It is. Right. And it has been that in my life. And so I have to learn to, to remind myself um, as I preach the gospel to myself, um, the, the, the gospel informs us that all men are equal at the foot of the cross, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Elon Musk has the same standing at the foot of the cross as I do because Christ died for him as, as he did for mm -hmm. me or take any famous musician, right? Um, we're equal at the foot of the cross. And so I have to, have to go back and say, God, you've, um, I think it was Paul that said, you know, by God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Right. And that's, a, that's something we have to come to terms with. God has made me exactly how he's made me. 
um, warts and all, as you say, right? Warts and all um, to be able to minister to people where I'm at, to bloom where I'm planted, to use your terminology, Kurt, uh, to bloom where I'm planted. And so, yeah, you got to be careful um, no matter what it is you do, whether it's music like myself or, or preaching or counseling or whatever God has called you to do. If you, um, whatever your hand finds to do, do it to the, the glory of God, to the best of your ability, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we make worship out of our lives uh, by taking the tools that God has given us and improving upon them for the glory of God to the best of our ability, whatever corner of creation that is for you. Um, that's what we're called to do. So yeah, I definitely have to fight against that in the musical realm. And, um, I'm not the most talented guy. I'm not the most, uh, you know, charismatic guy, whatever you want to say. I've, I've got no dove awards on my shelf, you know, but, (laughs) um, I, I, I do love walking down in the tunnel underneath the sanctuary at Sailorville and seeing, the signatures on the wall of folks that have come through Sayreville Church and been saved and Amen. baptized and say, thank you, Lord, I get to be a part of a ministry like that uh, here in Iowa. So, And if I could just say in passing, before we segue to something you mentioned a moment ago, Paul, you do a great job. <laughs> and you're very much loved and appreciated, and you are talented. But I appreciate what you hit, said, because we all have to take that humble approach like it's not about us right. anyway. Uh, in the culture, we try to make it all about us. But uh, what you said was spot on. Uh, let, let me just say, most of my ministry was uh, a lead pastor position ministry. Uh, my role was preaching regularly. And that whole gig about you know comparing ourselves to others, uh, that's been a bugaboo for me in life too, because there's lots of big name guys out there that do it really well, and we appreciate them. I could tick off their names. I listen to them. You listen to them. Everybody has access to these nationally known speakers, and uh, they, they can knock it out of the park. But it can build jealousy in us if we're not careful. The whole comparison thing we talked about as a thief of joy. I, I hearken to the scriptures and the examples we find in the Bible. Last night I was reading from Numbers 16 in the story of Moses and Aaron being called on the carpet by a bunch of insurrectionists named Korah and Dothan and Abiram. And uh, they, they were Levites, but they, they wanted to be like Aaron. They, they did their thing, but they wanted to be the top dog. They wanted to be right there rivaling Aaron. And uh, wow, did they get into trouble? The earth swallowed them up and God judged them because they were demanding to be big shots when God said, I, I've got a role for you. Be happy with who you are and don't try to step out of bounds. And then you got the story of Saul and David. And after David kills Goliath, boy, does Saul turn jealous when he hears the ladies singing, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his 10,000s, you know. And from that moment on, uh, he wanted to kill David, because he was jealous. And even Jesus' disciples, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's talking about crucifixion, and they're fighting among themselves who should be the greatest. (laughs) And he said, hey, take the humblest position, and that's who's greatest in the kingdom of God. So we all fight it. I fight it too, and I I have to confess that it's sin. Um, I think it's important for us to not turn famous preachers or singers into celebrities and idolize them. I think that's one of the sins of the American church. And we've got to, we've got to run away from that celebrity itis. If I can (laughs) quote a a term, we've got to get, we've got to get to the, 
the correct mindset of, of God's economy. What's, what's worth something in God's economy, right? Yeah. Amen. The, the culture says that celebrity is worth something and achievement is worth something or, you know, commercial achievement, if you will, whatever. But in God's economy, um, the least are the greatest. Yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I, I was thinking of, um, I was just thinking of this, uh, we, we had someone relatively well known, uh, that happened to be in our church a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, there were people that were making a big deal out of that. Um, and it's, it's sort of like, Oh, that's, this is different, you know, when that person was here and, but, but that didn't strike me as much as, um, there was a situation going on in the church where I won't go into the detail of it, but someone was really hurting in the church. Um, this just happened Sunday and, they were going through something really heavy at the time. And I saw another person in our church come up to them that had gone through the exact same thing. And mm. I knew that. Mm. And they sat down next to this person and just put their arm around them and, and was, was there with them during this, this really difficult time uh, this past Sunday. And I thought there's, there's the treasure in God's economy right there. Amen. There's, there's, there's something that's worth something that's going to last. I love that. Thank you, Paul, for sharing that insight. Uh, I I, want to say this word about the early church struggle with the same things we do. Mm. And in 1 Corinthians 1, there were people with a divisive party spirit saying, hey, we're going to follow Paul, you know. Somebody else said, we're, we're of Apollos. And somebody else said, we, we like Peter. And some super spiritual people said, we're of Jesus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and Paul had to call him out for a carnal fleshly spirit. Like, don't be divisive. Don't pick uh, your favorite preacher, singer, and follow them in a form of idolatry. It's all about the Lord. It's, it's not about us. And, and here, here's some words from uh, the end of 1 Corinthians that I really find encouraging when Paul writes to the believers at Corinth, he says, consider your calling brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Why? So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, I love this, here's the point of my my emphasis, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It's not about us. It's about him. Paul, let me uh, transition to a, a related kind of question about divisiveness in the church. Again, going back to the New Testament era, especially in the, the letter to the Romans, Paul talks about um, matters of conscience, debatable issues, and there were folks that were kind of fighting over these debatable issues. And in that case, debatable matters became divisive matters. Yeah. So what do Romans 14 and 15 have to say about how we should overcome this kind of hurtful debate? Yeah, we see those, those debatable issues in Romans 14 in particular, um, which we see in other parts of the New Testament as well, but there are people that were eating certain things and um, 
others were looking at them and thinking, well, they should not, they should not eat those things. And, and in certain instances, maybe in the, in the case of the, those that were weaker in their faith, it, it would cause them to stumble perhaps, um, to sin. And, uh, there was people that were observing days, um, as holy other words, other ones were not observing the same days. And so there's these doubtful issues and, and maybe, maybe to some degree, a degree of finger pointing going on, you're doing this wrong and I'm doing it right. And there's that comparison game that was even going on then judging, Um, judging, 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 right. Um, but what, what Paul was writing to the Romans, um, is, is simply what you just said, Kurt, uh, down in verse six of Romans fourteen, he who observes the day observes it to the uh, excuse me. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats eats to the Lord, and for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat uh, to the Lord, he does not eat, and gives God thanks. For n- none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. Mm-hmm. If we live, we live to the Lord. Amen. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And then further down, and here's kind of a sobering part of, of Romans 14. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. I'm not going to give account for you, Kurt. Mm-hmm. You're not going to give an account for me. That's right. We're going to give account for ourselves for the Lord. And then it says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. And, and here's key not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. So I think in, in, in our church, you know, and I've, I, this, this works in the microcosm of, of relationships too, but in, on a, on a broader scale, the church, if we would come into our church and come into it with a, a you first attitude, I want the best for you today right? Regardless of what type of music I like today, regardless of what the, the room temperature I want to be or the color of the carpet as the classic, mm-hmm. <laughs> as the classic uh, saying goes, um, regardless of those things that I want, I want what you want first, right? Um, we're told in even Romans 15 to, to uh, bear one another's burdens or come alongside each other, right? Um, verse two of, of 15 says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification, Verse three, for even Christ did not please himself, for as is written, the reproaches of those who approached you fell on me. Christ lived in a sacrificial way for us, right? He gave himself as a sacrifice for us, and so we ought to, uh, Philippians, right? Philippians chapter two, have the same mind in Christ. Amen. Uh, Humility is paramount in a believer's life. Um. I was just at a conference over the weekend, a counseling conference that talked all about humility and just really convicted by some of the hidden signs of, of pride in my own life. But we have to, in, in God's economy, again, humility is of the utmost worth, right? So when I come into the church building, I want to say you first. When I come into my marriage, when you all come into your marriages and your, your relationships, if it's a you first on both sides, everybody gets what they want, Right. If it's a me first, well, usually no one gets what they want, right? So we're we're called to come alongside one another. We're called to bear one another's burdens. We're called to um, not put a stumbling block. And what that means is just sacrifice my own preferences, the things that are are um, at the end of the day not as important as my brother and not as important as the gospel or my sister, right? I don't have to be right. I don't have to be right. <laughs> right. You said it. You said it. Some sometimes it is better to be kind than right. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it is better to 
throw down your own um, preferences and say, I will submit to my brother or sister because mm-hmm. I love them, mm-hmm. right? It's the, the old, uh, it's, it's not a perfect example, but I like it. <laughs> uh, and that's the, the Thanksgiving dinner, right? The family gets together and uh, grandma may really not like the sweet potatoes on the table, right? And you do. But grandma doesn't say, I don't want the sweet potatoes here. I don't like those. She says, I want them here because I love my grandson, Amen. right? And that's, that needs to be our attitude in the church and our relationships too. I want to, um, I want the best, the most uh, edifying uh, thing for my brother or for my sister. And I will lay down my own preferences to get to that, that place. That's good stuff. Good stuff, Paul. This is a good conversation we're having. So, uh, you, uh, you talked a little bit, of course, uh, about judging, and um, I guess I would just ask you, Kurt, um, how should we how should we judge in a biblical way that honors God? Because we all make judgments, right? We do. We're and we must. We make yeah, sure, right? We made judgments driving on the way here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's the right thing to do to stop at the stop sign. That's a good judgment. So we're going to make judgments, and so, Kurt, maybe you can talk that a little bit. How do we righteously judge? in a godly way, how do we make judgments? And then maybe over what kind of issues are we making those judgments that you see a lot? I tried to, in my message, distinguish between the wrong kind of judgment and the right kind of judgment. And Matthew 7 is the classic passage. A lot of people turn to it and they frankly take it out of context. They say, judge not, must you be judged. <laughs> As so if never judge, you, right? you can never judge, never judge anything or anybody for any kind of behavior. Right. That's not what that text is saying. Jesus was actually pointing to the hypocritical Pharisees yeah. who were living a double life. And he was basically saying, you can't judge others when you have this, this board in your own eye mm-hmm. and you're trying to pick out a speck in somebody else's eye. And the point was, if you're judging hypocritically, knock it off and get your own act cleaned up first by confessing, coming to Jesus for forgiveness of sins. That's the only way that you can see clearly and correctly to help somebody else. So Matthew 7 is not saying we can't judge. It's just saying we can't judge hypocritically. In fact, later in Matthew 7, Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them, which is a kind of judging that uh, a person's behavior tells on them, and we see that behavior uh, if, in fact, they're really following the Lord or, or not. Now, you contrast Matthew 7 with John seven twenty four, which I mentioned in my message, where we are to judge righteously. And, and what does that mean? Uh, not according to appearance, but to judge righteously. And I use the illustration in context we need to judge appropriately on theological and moral grounds. And we need to make sure our doctrine is pure in alignment with the word of God and not moving into doctrinal error. Frankly, in the name of not judging, there's all kinds of craziness that goes on in the church these days. And those who are really plugged into the word of God have to call it out and say, this is not God's will and way because it's not really squaring with the scriptures And we need to exegete and expound the scriptures so that people know what to believe. And the same with behavior. All kinds of people are shedding their eyes toward immoral behavior these days because they say, well, you can't judge another person. Well, the Bible is the ultimate judge. Mm -hmm. 
And we use that as the means. And we need to address it when people are living in immorality. We need to address it appropriately, lovingly, and yet forthrightly. So there is a place to judge. Just make sure our own lives are in concert with the Word of God. That's right. And we need to be uh, unashamed to tell the truth. Speaking the truth in love, we say that a lot around here in the counseling ministry especially. Uh, but I, I think of Second Corinthians chapter 4, which is one of the, my favorite passages of Scripture. But it basically says that our ministry is to um, give the, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but our ministry is to give the unmessed around with word of God, the truth yeah. of the word of God to people, um, not messing with it, not twisting it. Yeah. But here it is, and mm-hmm. here's the truth. And, uh, and then God's spirit can deal with the spirit of people um, as his word. Paul, we, we uh, frequently talk between ourselves, but in the counseling office and even from the pulpit, uh, about preaching the gospel to ourselves. Yep. That, that's really powerful, very important. And it helps to to level the playing field in the church, and it keeps us from um, self-condemnation and satanic condemnation when we preach the gospel to ourselves. And I try to explain on Sunday that the devil comes after God's children by condemning them. Yeah, God never condemns his own children. He will convict them in an effort to correct them, but he doesn't condemn them. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But frankly, a lot of times we do condemn ourselves and we do allow the devil to condemn us and we fall into a hole and we really struggle to climb out because our focus is on ourselves instead of on the grace of God. So talk to me for a moment about how does the preaching the gospel to ourselves help level the playing field and think of ourselves as God thinks of us. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would first start by saying that, that you, this man sitting in front of me right now really burned on my heart, Romans eight, one, uh, several years ago. And that is, um, there is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, in the gospel, we stand uncondemned. Um, we are no longer walking dead men. We are, um, mm-hmm redeemed and we have life in Christ and we're no longer slaves to the sinful nature. We don't have to um, follow its desires, the desires of the flesh, but we are are free to be slaves of Christ, to follow righteousness, which brings us joy, right? Um, but preaching the gospel to yourself is such a, um, a, vital, um, a vital discipline for the believer. And I think one of the reasons, and I, I make this joke sometimes, but one of the uh, one of the distinguishing characteristics of humanity is that we're super forgetful. And that's why politicians have jobs, right? Is because people are forgetful. They forget what, whatever, whatever happens. And, uh, um, we forget the gospel. We forget its benefits. Um, that's why, you know, Psalm 103 talks about how uh, it says, bless the Lord, O my soul and forget not his benefits. And we're told to not forget because we're forgetful. And God knows that he says, rehearse who I am right? Rehearse what I've done for you. And so the discipline of, of rehearsing the gospel in, um, you know, Psalm, Psalm five, um, Lord in the morning, will I direct my prayer to you and I will look up. Mm-hmm. I have to do that fresh every day. I have to look up and remember what Christ has done for me. And, uh, I, I was just thinking about, uh, Romans chapter 12 and just how that, how that impacts, um, my, preaching, preaching the gospel to myself. And it says, uh, verse two, and this is familiar to many, but do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect 
will of God. I have to be renewing my mind every morning. Um, I have to, in other words, making it new, preaching the gospel to it fresh, reminding myself um, not just who I am before God, but who God is and what he's done for me. And that helps me uh, obey what God says even later in there in, in verse 12. And one of the things it says is verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. So I'm uh, I, I'm blessing my, my brothers and sisters in Christ as I preach the gospel to myself as it reminds me who I am and who God is. So um, I, I, I'm not condemned because God says I'm not condemned. The, the, as Alistair Begg once famously said, um, uh, he, he gave the comparison, if maybe some of you heard this, but um, he, he gave the the uh, story of the, the one of the men on the cross beside Jesus. And he uh, and this is not in the Bible, by the way. This is just a, <laughs> um, maybe an imagined story, but um, that he he gets to heaven and and uh, and Saint Peter, as it were, you know the jokes. Saint Peter says, "Why should why should we let you into heaven?" And and uh, the thief on the cross said, "The man on the middle cross said I could come." Amen. And that's that's the only thing mm-hmm. that we have is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and um, that is. That's my standing. My standing is not in how good I am at my job, and and my standing is not who approves of me or who doesn't. My standing is in that God sent His Son to to shed His blood on the cross for me, and rose again for me. Amen. And that if I put my faith in Him, I'll I'll have eternal life, and that's that's where my identity is found. And so, that's that's what keeps us, um, in the in the good place of joy uh, before the Lord is that we know who we are. We're bought. Um, with a really inexpressible price of of Jesus Christ, and he loved us that much. Paul, full disclosure, when we transparently talk about this, do we struggle with with this issue we're talking about right now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We are... um, You you referenced the the verse earlier that the fear of man brings a snare, but uh, he who trusts in the Lord, I think the rest of the verse, he who trusts in the Lord is safe. Amen. And so, um, I have to remember that I, Lord, I'm trusting you because the only place of safety is found in Christ. That is so helpful. I confess, even as I did on Sunday, when I had the flash freeze moment, my windshield just covered with ice (laughs) and I couldn't see anything. It's like, (laughs) yikes, you know, but God brought home the point as I went into the store and looked at the diversity of people. Kurt, do you judge any of these people? Yeah. Uh, if I'm brutally honest, I do. Absolutely. And then I've got to confess, Lord, oh, forgive me. Yeah, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Yeah. And only he can justify me through his sacrificial death and resurrection. And I've got to preach the gospel to myself and confess my sins with regularity. And I think that's true of all God's children. It's a battle. It's a fight. Uh, there was a, a the, the instance I referenced earlier, and I'll just, maybe we can sort of start wrapping up with this, but... Um, the instance I confessed earlier when there was a somewhat well-known person that came into our church and I, I got up there during that service to start the music. And I, I don't even know if I told you this yet, Kurt, I got up there and I, I started having sort of a panic attack and, and like, Oh my goodness, there's this important person, <laughs> which is super <laughs> ironic being in the book of James. Right. And I <laughs> thinking about this, if you know about what James says about, you know, preferential treatment and whatever. Um, but in that moment I had to confess my heart mm-hmm. Right, because I knew that there were other people in that service that were not well known, but were really hurting, and that were um, 
really following hard after Christ in the middle of their hurt. And so there's, you know, that sense of all of us are equal down at the foot of the cross and Lord Mm -hmm. help my heart from comparing, um, people to people and, and judging with ungodly judgment. Um, and the Lord was gracious and calmed my heart down and we worshiped him together and and it was good. And so that was just a, an instance where the Lord helped me through that. So, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's good. Even in our weakness, he redirects us and, and, brings us back uh, to the right path. Thanks for sharing that, Paul. (laughs) You know, both of us work in the counseling ministry, and for those who may not have heard on most uh, recently on Sunday night, Paul is now the head of our counseling ministry, but we will both continue doing counseling together with a bunch of other folks. If we can help you with some of these issues, if you're listening in, this whole condemnation thing toward yourself or toward others, judging, uh, we're, we're, we're here to minister by God's grace uh, the efficacy of the gospel, the, right. the effects of justification in Christ. It's glorious. Yet we struggle and we need to talk it through and work it through and uh, really bear up under the mindfulness of who we are in Christ, not in ourselves. Yeah, and I'm thankful that we can see victory in those, those counseling situations, not because we're great counselors, but because we have the same truth. We have the same truth, the same word of God, the same Holy Spirit that helps us in our weaknesses. Well, thanks, Paul, for joining me today. I'd like to close this in prayer, if that'd Please, be okay. Yes, absolutely. And it's been great to be with you all. Thanks for listening in today. Let me pray, and uh, God bless you the rest of the day. Father, thank you that because of Jesus, we're forgiven, and we have the righteousness of God in Christ. There is no condemnation to those who are in him. And we lay claim to that by faith, not by feeling, because quite frankly, on a regular basis, we feel condemned perhaps by others. We compare ourselves with others, which is not wise. It robs us of our joy. Forgive us for doing that comparison thing and forgive us for our pride, because really this whole self-consciousness thing is just another way of saying we're, we're prideful. We, we want to be somebody and think, have other people think well of us and Forgive us. Help us just to find our joy in Christ and give you glory. I pray for all those listening that you'll deliver them from all the attacks of the enemy. Thank you that we can lay claim to Scripture, and, Lord, we can be delivered from the various things that pull us down into the pit. And, Lord, we give you praise for the wonder of what you've done by your grace. Help all those listening today to find great joy in Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. Have a great day, everyone.